This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, good Saturday morning to you. Welcome into Kansas Talk. It's that time again. Another weekend trying to get you up and moving ready for the day. It's going to be good. It's cold outside. What do you think? Nice and chilly. Feeling the breeze. And by breeze, I mean like 50 degree or 50 mile an hour winds. That's nice. <laughs> Welcome into the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Welcome in 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, I would love to hear from you today. we got a big show lined up for you as usual for a weekend. As we kick it off, it is nice and overcast, a little bit of snow on the ground, nice and windy. I went outside this morning to start the car, and I went out in my T-shirt. I did my nice breathing. I got nice and refreshed, and now I feel cool and ready to go for the whole day. So I guess that's the way to start off the day. Most people would laugh at me, but that's all right. Big show coming up for you. We got uh, State Representative and House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins from District Number 100 right here in the Wichita area. He'll be joining us for the 10 o'clock hour today to talk about the kickoff of the legislative session 2022. What's the agenda? What type of topical issues are, uh, issues are we going to have? What are we going to be focused on when it comes to taxes? Right now we have like a 2 or $3 billion surplus of cash in the state. Now, it's not because of anything that we've done. It's because the federal government felt like just handing us a buttload of cash, and now we have to figure out what to do with it. Of course, Governor Kelly has her idea for it. The legislature hopefully has their own idea, and it's not hopefully what Governor Kelly has in mind for it because she just wants to throw it on education. Why the heck not? So we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. We have some audio clips from U.S. Senator Roger Marshall. Got to get a hat, give a hat tip to him as he's been in Washington, D.C. fighting hard. I love this guy. I am so glad that we have him in Washington, D.C. I'm so glad that he is the rocking it the way he is. And he is making a name for himself as he's been on a lot of the national media outlets. We're going to get him back on the show with us here relatively soon. I've been in touch with his people. We're working on a time to try and get him on as well. And kudos to him. Kudos to him, him calling out Dr. Fauci at the federal level just a few days ago uh, during a hearing earlier this week. So we'll play some of those clips as well and get your thoughts on it because I thought it was hilarious the way that Fauci just got so angry. Called him a moron. Yeah. Yeah, called our own U.S. Senator a moron. Now, this is the highest paid federal employee at the federal level, but yet he feels like he can just belittle senators because uh, and come to find out Roger Marshall was right. The Wall Street Journal and Forbes magazine both came out with an article shortly after that interview uh, saying that, yeah, you know what, Roger Marshall was right. No, we can't find any information on Dr. Fauci's uh, uh, salaries. I mean, you can find it on its basic salary, on how much he's actually receiving from the government, but we know nothing, like we know nothing about a lot of elected officials with their uh, investment on the stock market, on what they buy, sell, and trade, and I think that's an issue. I do not think that elected officials should be able to actually invest in the stock market because what they do at the federal level with their policies, with their legislation, with their bills, affects the private economy, affects Wall Street, and affects those markets based on the decisions that those businesses would be doing based on political uh, decisions coming out of Washington, D.C. So, yeah, no, we need to know all of this. Are you financially tied with some of these stocks? Are you financially tied with some of these vaccines? Are you financially tied with some of these pharmaceutical companies? I would like to know that information. And right now that is not public and that has been uh, uh, reaffirmed by both Forbes magazine and with Wall Street Journal with an article they came out earlier this week as well. So we'll get to that. Plus, there's a concerning issue we have, I think, at least here in Sedgwick County, is the Sedgwick County Sheriff's Office has decided to delay 
your concealed carry applications due to, of course, COVID-19 issues. Yeah, yeah. Is that right and is that okay? I seem to remember there used to be some legal issues that happened across the nation with uh, them thinking, well, you know what, Uh, concealed carry permits, not necessarily important. We're going to hold off on doing those applications with concerns of COVID-19. I know a guy who started a lawsuit with that and went took it to federal court, and that got shut down pretty quickly. Is it worth doing? They say they're delaying it to the end of the month, so that's really only two weeks left, so not a whole lot of time to start some type of litigation. But is that something we need to pursue? Is that something we need to do? I'd love to get your thoughts on that one as well. So lots of things to get to today. Holy cow. Who would have thought that so much was going on here in the state of Kansas? But by golly, it's here. Welcome into 2022, and welcome into our state legislative session as well. Really excited to get Dan Hawkins on the show with us here in just a little bit. But the lines are lit up, so why the heck? Let's not go to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. By the way, all of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. You can check them out online at philscoins.com. They're also opening up here in about 15 minutes until 2.30 this afternoon. I believe next week we have Phil Martinez coming back on the program, so we'll talk about the gold and silver market as well. But go check them out. Phil's Coins. 9344 West Central Avenue, and uh, great partner here on KQM, great partner here with the show. We love Phil Martinez and the, and the team uh, to death, and we can't wait to chat with him again here on the program. Let's go to the phones. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Scott. Scott, what's happening, sir? How are we doing? Well, COVID-19 is another name for fascism. Uh, again, the police state is here, and fascism is the new government they got, and they, they named it COVID-19. So whenever business and government connect with each other and form a type of a new world order situation, you got fascism here. And that's what we're looking at now. Now, you got illegals coming over the border. They're going to be the new soldiers of this fascism. And what they're going to do is they're going to support and back up the uh, uh, Democrat Party. And it's going to make it hard for real Americans to get anything i mean like i said i talked about how they had no grocery store in, in parts of wichita here especially near where black people live at sure and what they've done is the governor refuses to do any acting for for their state even though she'll ask for black people's vote every four years or whatever but when it comes to actually doing something for them she don't do anything for them but she'll, she'll uh hire a couple of people in the neighborhood and say, well, hey, you know, you need to vote for Democrats because we're the only ones that care about you when that's a lie. Hasn't that been a trend for a long time, Scott? I mean, especially let's look at the, you know, uh, the black communities, uh, for example, not just in Wichita, but all over the country. Hasn't that been the norm for, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 years? Democrats say, don't worry, we're going to take care of you. Life's going to be so much better as long as you elect us into office. And we can see how well that's worked out. They, a, a, a lot of individuals in those communities, unfortunately, have not been able to take another step, have not been able to better their lives, have not been able to get the resources that they need, while Democrats continuously say, hey, vote us in and we'll take care of you. There's a lot of broken promises. Yeah, They've said repeatedly, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And, and even Biden said, if you don't vote Democrat, you're not black. So, I mean, I guess I, I've uh, <laughs> lost my, my color. So, uh, and, and I, I guess that's where it's going to be. From now on, I guess, you know. I'm telling you, that is why, you you hit it right on, that is why there were so many 
in the black community that voted for Donald Trump because he hit it right on the head when Donald Trump said, what do you have to lose? You voted the same way for the last 60 years and your life has not gotten better. What do you have to lose? Try something different. And you know what? Conservative principles, libertarian principles, when we say don't rely on the government, let's do it ourselves, let's get the government out of our lives, let's create opportunities for ourselves, that's when people start to flourish. But Democrats have had this iron grip, crazy control in minority communities all over the country to keep them down. The continued servitude and slavery that Democrats love to have since the dawn of the Democrat Party in the country, where they love to be able to control because they're massive control freaks, apparently, or narcissists or something. And uh, I think people are starting to wake up and trying to break out of that mold. These are fascists. They're pushing fascism just like Mussolini did during World War II. And these same people came over here to the United States and pushing it here. Yeah. They got fasci on both sides of the flag whenever president's doing his uh, State of the Union. You can see the fasci right there on both sides of the flag when he's talking. So you already know that that's what they're about. Well, you know what? I can't agree with uh, I, I I can't agree with you there. I can't disagree with anything that you said. Now, I don't like to throw terms around loosely, especially when it comes to Nazism, fascism, racism, sort of thing. But you're right on. I mean, there are many um, factors that go into that as well. Scott, I appreciate the call, my friend, and happy Martin Luther King weekend to you, brother. And I appreciate that. And always appreciate you listening to the show. You're absolutely right. Let's break that mold. I love the fact that Donald Trump really did start kind of a movement nationwide, and we've done, I think, a better job here in Kansas. We've done a better job here in the state and in the communities reaching out to different communities that don't normally hear conservative Republican talking points, conservative Republican policies, breaking into new uh, new demos, breaking into new voter bases, breaking into new demo uh, demographics and communities that don't normally hear. All they hear about on the is on the news, though, you know, we're bad and we're racist and we're Nazis and we're fascists and yada, 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 yada. But yet when we talk about our actual policies, individual sovereignty, being able to do things on your own, being able to get red tape out of the way. Let's talk about the grocery store issue, for an example, because you're right. There are crazy food deserts going on still here in the city of Wichita. And what was the response from the city council and the Democrat city council members on the city council here in Wichita as well? We need to be able to uh, temporarily change laws to allow people to grow things in their garden to be able to sell in the community. <laughs> And I laugh and say, why is that a law in the first place where you're not allowed to do that? Again, the government's creating their own damn issue. If you would let go of some of the uh, some of the regulations, if you would let go of some of the red tape, and you would just let the market do its thing, you would lower some of the sales taxes, you would lower some of the business taxes in the area, you would incentivize business to get there, you would get rid of the red tape. Guess what? People could start gardens and they could grow it without worrying about the government. They could start a business and start a grocery store where they wouldn't have to worry about some of the financial obligations. You could make it easy and affordable for them to build it and start it. Then that would make it affordable for the consumer, and we wouldn't have this issue. The government created enough red tape to cause the issue, and then we still lead towards the government to try and solve the issue. It's stupid. Change the thought process. Change the narrative. What do you have to lose? Do something different. And I think that's why Trump saw a massive jump in some of the minority votes for Hispanics and for black votes across the country in the last election. And the Republican Party, you need to keep up that momentum. Here in Kansas, we were the trendsetters. We were the trendsetters with the civil rights movement. We can start that trend right now as well and try and get them on the Republican side, conservative side, libertarian side, however you want to look at it. So great call. Appreciate that, Scott. Let's go back to the phones here. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, Comrade Suski. It's Comrade Sean. Mr. Sean, how are you, my friend? 
man, we got to stop meeting like this, dude. I'm telling you. Again. Yeah, people are going to start another thinking something. Attack, another attack by climate change. <laughs> yeah, the 19 degrees we have right now with the snow flurries in January uh, is a proof positive of uh, the man-made climate change destroying the earth. I heard you say you went out and started your car wearing a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, that was great. Just, I, I walked outside this morning. I went to go start my car, let it warm up for a minute. I walked out. I didn't have the coat on or the hoodie. I have my T-shirt on right now. I walked outside, and the 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 uh, wind gust hit me. I took a big breath, big deep uh, breath of the cool air, woke me up, got me going for the day. Then I came inside, and I was ready to go. Jeez, why don't you just wear a pink bikini? Two-piece string bikini, buddy. <laughs> hey, so uh, last night, last week, you kind of uh, uh, kind of got caught up on my belief in the UFOs. Uh, well, yeah. I got stumped, that's for you sure. Got some, all right, well, I tell you what, I, it was funny because after we had that conversation last week, last weekend we turned on a show that ironically was about that. It, do you have Hulu? Do you watch Hulu at all? I got some other channels on my iPhone, but I don't have Hulu. Okay, well, if you get Hulu, or it may be on YouTube, or it may be on another one as well, there is a show called Disclosed, uh, or Disclosure, I believe. Uh, and it's, uh, it, look for it, try and find it, see if you can find it. It's about a two-hour documentary on massive government cover-ups on UFOs, and it, it's hilarious because there's a guy by the name of Dr. Steve Greer, a great guy. Uh, he's been involved in the UFO thing for a long time, alien abductions, uh, that sort of thing. And uh, he talks about, he has in his hand, uh, and he showed a lot of the documents of these government agencies, which is why I'm talking about it, because it's kind of a political issue, where whether you believe UFOs, believe aliens or not, there's a deeper issue here. There are, uh, there are agencies and departments in the government that are so deep that the head of the military... The military panel, the chief of staffs, the president of the United States themselves are not allowed to talk about these agencies. They don't know about these agencies. And when they go and find out about the agencies, the agencies literally told them many times, you are not permitted to uh, see what we're working on and see what we're doing. Now, imagine well, this. I'm we have a transparent government of three branches of government we have you know uh, you know checks and balance systems we have the heads of the different branches between congress between the executive branch with the president we have the judicial branch with the supreme court and we have deep agencies in there that don't follow the rules that don't have the constitutional checks and balances that don't uh to, that don't answer to anybody and when the president or the military call them up and say hey what are you working on they're like you're not permitted to have that information and we don't have to tell you a thing now, whether you believe in UFOs or not, that's a concern, is it not? No, I'll tell you why. I think uh, back in the 50s, maybe, maybe it started a little earlier than that, but I'm pretty sure it was back in the 50s. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, when the Air Force was, uh, you know, investigating, you know, alleged sightings of, of this stuff, whatnot, you and some of it did turn out to be, you know, weather phenomenon, hot air balloons, stuff like that. But some of it was just fake, you know. Somebody throws a, a an aluminum pie pan up in the air or something, and somebody sure. else, you know, and fake fake photographs. Well, I think what the I think what the Air Force did, did or the government was used the uh, idea of uh ufos whatnot as a cover for uh uh, uh 
weapons programs that are classified oh, sure. above top. Oh, of course that's yeah. happening. And they, they've even admitted, I, ca- I can't remember the name of the operation. There's some military operation that when things start to go bad or things happen, they have a protocol in motion that is set to intentionally create panic and distract from the main real issue that's going on that looks like either a, a UFO invasion with UFOs coming out of the sky or with, you know, a, a, a nuclear blast or with drones coming out or whatever. They have things in motion to distract people from real issues so they can deal with the real issue by keeping them scared from other issues, by creating a diversion and making panic in the streets with having something else going on. So we know these operations happen. You know, it's to me, though, whether it's the UFO thing or alien abductions or whether it's even just, you know, social programs or whether it's just the government doing progressive, crazy, big government things. If there are agencies that don't answer to any of the branches of government and let them know what's going on in the transparency of what they are working on, I find that a major issue. And the president calls up an agency under his executive branch and says, hey, what are you working on, guys? And like, we're not permitted to tell you we can do what we want. We don't have to answer to you. To me, that's a major well, issue. No, no, it's not, and I'll tell you why. You know, having held a a security clearance in the military for a number of years, and and mine was, uh, you know, I know something about it. And, and, uh, uh, for example, you know, there's confidential, then there's the more serious secret clearance, which is what I had. Then there's the top secret clearance, and, uh, and then there's the special access programs clearance. Okay, now here's the deal. Uh, if you have, say, a confidential clearance, you can only see things stamped confidential, and that's it. And they're no big deal. You got a secret clearance, you can only see things uh, stamped uh, that are uh, uh, classified secret, and only if it's in your uh, uh, area of operations, you know. Uh, now, you can. If, uh, the only way you could see any other secret information uh, outside of your uh, uh, AO is if uh, uh, your uh, supervisor or whoever's in charge of you, you know, commanding officer, whatever, uh, if they if they think that you have a need to know, then you can see other stuff. You can also see anything stamped confidential. And when it comes to the top secret clearance, uh, a lot of people uh, in uh, the president's cabinet probably all of them, including the president, they all hold top-secret clearances. And and it works the same way with a top-secret clearance with one exception. The president of the United States can see anything that's classified top-secret. He has to be able to see that stuff to make decisions. Right. But he's not allowed, he doesn't have a he he, he doesn't have a special access clearance. Okay? Uh, So he's not allowed to see or know about uh, super-secret programs, like uh, weapons programs. The reason for that is plausible deniability. You know, if the enemy were to accuse him of something, you know, then he could deny it and be telling the truth. He wouldn't be lying to anybody. He'd be telling the truth. Secondly, there's only about um, well, sure, I get it. Okay, I mean that makes sense. Okay, keeping some type of protection away from certain individuals, but when no one, but when they don't answer to anybody, that's my big issue. Is when they don't answer to anybody, and they're like, "We're just going to do our thing." When either the president or the heads of the military call up and say, "Hey, what are you guys working on? What's your project?" And they say, "We don't have to answer." I mean, that's a rogue agency within our federal government that answers to nobody, and I see a cause for concern for that. 
Well, if they're doing something illegal, then yeah, that's what the FBI is supposed to be for. Is uh, you know go in and and uh, find out what the hell's going on, and they and they got ways of doing that. You know, I mean, they got a counterintelligence division that operates somewhat like the CIA, but it's for domestic use only. Yeah. And uh, they got their ways of finding out. But uh, you know, um, if they're doing something illegal, you know, usually it's not like the president. The president would know better. Than to call up, than to call somebody and say, you know, ask about, you know, what they're up to, because they don't believe me. He doesn't want to know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sure. Uh, I I get it. I get it, Sean. I appreciate. It. I got to I got to take a break here, but you're right. It's it's an interesting one, and I know we've kind of gone off topic there a little bit, but I find that fascinating. So uh, I I don't know. I mean, the transparency needs to be there. I think that we need to know. A lot of the stuff going on, you're right, there is some plausible deniability that needs to happen with uh, some of the agencies or with individuals as well for protection. I, I can see that to a degree, but when they're not answering to anybody, like they got to obviously answer to somebody, and somebody's got to be at least kind of running this thing when they're just kind of rogue. That's a cause for concern for me. Appreciate the call, Sean. Happy uh, Martin Luther King Day to you. All right, so uh, we have, what do we have here? About two minutes left here. So, all right, we're going to do, let's go ahead and do this right now. Let's do a giveaway. Now to get registered to win one of 10 coach purses in KQAM's Pick Your Purse Contest. Be caller number three right now at 316-721-8255 or 316-721-TALK. You can also register at any one of Jewelry Savers locations, eGraphics, and Athena Jewelry. Then February 12th, we'll meet at Jewelry Savers and you can pick your purse. From the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 102.5 FM, KQAM. I always enjoy the off topic conversation with sean but we love you brother always appreciate that all right let's do caller number three right now at 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK as you may know that we've been doing a promotion here on kqam going to be going on for another couple of weeks here but you have a chance women i know you love kqam you listen to us a lot we appreciate that and we love you to death we know that you want to enjoy valentine's day just a little bit and we have a chance for you to win one of 10 coach purses right before Valentine's Day. Guys, this might be the great gift for you as well to give to that special someone if you're kind of that procrastinator like moi, this guy. Uh, so get registered right now. We'll be able to help bail you out with a great gift for your Valentine's. Tune into the Big Talker all day long throughout every day. Uh, here the cue to call and get registered between now and February 12th. Also, if you don't get registered on air, you can also go to our participating partners with Jewelry Savers, eGraphics, and Athena Jewelry. You can get registered, drop your name in the box. It's all awesome. We have different times every day that we've been registering individuals, so stay tuned in to John Wright in the mornings, weekdays, uh, Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 a.m., and he'll tell you what hour of the day to listen to the station and be able to get registered. But right now, let's go ahead and do it. Caller number three at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Let's get you registered today. For your chance to win one of 10 coach purses here with Jewelry Savers, eGraphics, Athena Jewelry, and the Big Talker KQAM. We'll get those calls. We'll do another one in the 10 o'clock hour as well, but let's get you registered right now here on the Big Talker KQAM.
listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Yes, you are. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. Happy Saturday morning to you. Trying to get you up and moving. <laughs> Talking about some fun stuff, I guess. Got a lot to get to today. I have way too much. We have a two-hour program, so I have way too much to try and get to, so we'll try and cram it all in as we possibly can. I do have to say, first and foremost, we had a big week this week in the Department of Education. I don't know. I'm sure you've heard the news throughout the week that we had our new school board members getting sworn in with their ceremony. Now, they were already officially sworn in. It was a ceremonial thing that ended up stopping dead in its tracks. There's a headline on Cake News right now, of course, trying to uh, spread the sob story here. Wichita students heartbroken after the Board of Education mask controversy cost them a much-deserved recognition. Let me say something very clear. God bless and thank you to those three school board members, Kathy Bond, Diane Albert, and Hazel Stabler. Thank you, guys. That is the reason you got elected onto the school board. It's not to just go along to get along. It's not to just go with the flow and go with the motion. We're going to have Kathy Bond on the program next week to talk about what happened and moving forward with the school board because this is why people are upset with these schools. I don't know if you remember or not for the last two years. We've been struggling with the schools because, of course, mask mandates, vaccines for the kids, all this other garbage, uh, the remote learning that was just ridiculously stupid that really put us on hold for an entire year because we were scared to death of a virus that doesn't even affect kids. Andy, that's not true. They're sick with Omicron. They're sick with the sniffles. Let's be honest. There's not been any kids dying. They got the sniffles. The Omicron is no more than a sniffle as well. Let's stop the paranoia let's stop the fear politics let's stop the hysteria let's get back to common sense no more masks no more vaccines just get back to normal and do your damn job so school board members get ready board of education there are three new school board members on there that are going to fight this that are going to stop this stuff. I talked with a couple of the uh, with one of the school board members uh, over the last day talking about this issue, and uh, she was saying she's like, oh, we've gotten threats already. We've had to kind of just isolate a little bit. I feel beaten down, and I tried to reassure. Don't feel that way. We are on your side. We are supporting you, and it's up to us now as the parents and the members of the community to show up to the school board meetings and support them to voice our opinion, to not make them feel isolated and alone because they are going to be the focal point of attention nonstop. The school board hates them. And I, when I say hate, they hate these three new members. They cannot stand them. They are not complying and just going along to get along. They're not just doing what they're told. They're not just going to be a rubber stamp for whatever they want to pass through there. They're going to be asking questions. They're going to be shaking things up. They're going to be doing some very difficult things. And that's why they got voted onto the school board. So us in the community, it's our job to support them. And God bless those three. When they said it's time to put on the mask, you realize... And again, this is coming from the individuals that were elected onto the school board now that have been in training for the last two months, learning what to do, how to do it, going through the process, filling out all the paperwork, doing all the stuff they have to do. I don't know if you're aware or not. They went. They were at the exact same school buildings. They were around the exact same people. They were doing the exact same thing for the last two months. Never had to wear a mask. Never had to wear a mask. It was a ceremony where there are a few more people in the public, and it was for the public ops to look good. Like we're complying, 
like we really care. It was only for the public ceremonial thing to make it look like they were complying and doing what they were doing. They've gone the last two months doing the exact same stuff in the exact same building, have not had to wear a mask. That's the garbage that we're fighting. So God bless them for not wearing that mask. I don't care if the ceremonial thing ended abruptly. I don't care if it caused a whole bunch of controversy. I don't care if the media is going to try and create some type of sob story about the well-deserved recognition for the students that got lost out and got missed out on because these evil ones just wanted to disrupt the system. No, stop that crap. God bless those school board members. I'm so excited. I am happy. I am exhilarated. I am excited the fact that we have school board members that are not just going to go along to get along and just going to rubber stamp the crap that's been going on for so many years. There are people that despise them on this board, and it's going to get brutal, and it's going to get bloody, and it's going to get really rough here really soon. And I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it because we're disrupting the system. So Diane Albert, Hazel Stabler, Kathy Bond, thank you for what you did. Thank you for your stand against those masks. And guess what? Very first school board meeting coming up in the next month or so, whenever the first meeting is, first thing on the agenda for new items, repealing mask mandates, repealing vaccine mandates, getting things back to normal as per like it was never even happened, like COVID never wasn't even a thing. Get back to normal 100%. That is the first agenda on new business for the first school board meeting of the year, and that's what we're going to discuss. Now, obviously, they don't have a majority, so it's going to be difficult, but they can at least disrupt the system, and it's not going to be rubber stamped. And it's going to be a gridlock of three to three and nothing's going to get done, which just like at the federal level, when there's government gridlock and nothing's being passed, that means there are no rights being taken away. So God bless you for that. I love it. Oh, I, when I heard that, I laughed. I was so happy. And they're freaking out. They're upset. They're upset. Don't be. Don't be upset. You're going to get threats because there are sick people in the world that just don't like you trying to shake up the system and do th- something different because you're not just going along. And, of course, they're going to play it. It's for the kids, and you're putting the kids in danger and threatening the kids. No. If you really feel that way as a parent, you can take your kid out, and you can screw up their education because you're going to be the crazy control freak that's just paranoid about everything. Everyone else is going to get back to normal. We're not going to disrupt the many for the few that are just paranoid. What I got to say about that, I am upset about this stuff. This COVID stuff has gone on way too long. These paranoias and these mask wearing, uh, again, these cloth masks. The Biden administration now finally starting to figure out that cloth masks don't work. So they're trying to make the N95 masks more uh, more uh, available for individuals because they're finally admitting cloth masks don't work. We've been asking for the last two years if masks work, then why aren't they working? Everywhere where they've been mandating masks, they're still spreading the virus. People are still getting it. They're still passing it on to other people, vaccinated and unvaccinated. So we need to recognize, well, masks aren't working because a cloth mask isn't going to do anything. So you trying to say that we're going to continue on the mask mandate is stupid. It's ignorant. You can't reinvent the wheel and say that it's going to work this time when it hasn't worked for two years straight. Stop that crap. It's not going to happen. Get rid of it. God bless those school board members. Agenda, new agenda item number one for school board meeting. Repeal all mask mandates, repeal all vaccine mandates, get things back to normal. And if you're a parent that's paranoid with your kids getting it or spreading it, then you can keep them home and you can explain to your kids why they're not getting the proper education is because you want them to live in a bubble and fear the world. Get back to normal and stop this garbage. I'm ready. I think we all need to show up to the school board meetings and we need to support these three new school board members because that's what needs to happen. Speaking of real quickly, before we take a break here, we have uh, at the same time Roger Marshall at the federal level calling out Fauci 
Kudos to him. Rocking it this week in those hearings. Dr. Fauci, according to Forbes, you have an annual salary in 2020 was $434,000. You oversee over $5 billion in federal research grants. As the highest paid employee in the entire federal government, yes or no, would you be willing to submit to Congress and the public a financial disclosure that includes your past and current investments? After all, your colleague, Dr. Walensky, and every member of Congress submits a financial disclosure that includes their investments. Boom. I don't know why that's a big issue. Sure, you can go on the public files and see their salary from the government. We're not asking about that. We already get that you're the highest paid federal employee. I don't know why. Because you're a doctor and sure, maybe give you a little boost, you know, during the COVID pandemic of, hey, you're working a few extra hours. We'll get we'll throw you a little bone outside of that. I don't know why you're the highest paid employee at the federal level right now. I don't care about that. I want to see what you're invested in. I really think we need to have some type of some type of bill, which is not going to happen, by the way. But we need to have some type of legislation. No government official, no elected official, no congressman or anybody should be able to buy, sell or trade stocks. Because what you do in the federal government affects Wall Street, affects Main Street, affects businesses, affects the stock market, affects the business. When you print massive amounts of money for your quantitative easing because you're so smart that you're stupid and you think that we can live in debt properly like that with this whole quantitative easing process, when you do that, you affect the value of the dollar that affects the stock market. So businesses are going to be changing things. If you know this change and you know what they're going to be doing and you start buying stock based on that, then guess what? You are now insider trading. You can't do that. I don't think that they should be involved. And I'm sure Fauci is involved somehow with far, with a Big Pharma, with Moderna or Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson. Somehow. Come on. Half the doctors in the NIH were the ones that helped to create some of these uh, vaccines, and they're getting kickbacks on that, not from the government, but just some of the side projects they were doing to work with on the side. Fauci didn't like that, though. I don't understand why you're asking me that question. My financial disclosure is public knowledge and has been so for the last 37 years or so, 35 years well, that the, I've been directed. The big tech giants are doing an incredible job of keeping it from being public. Uh, we'll continue to, what, to look for it. Where would we find it? All you have to do is ask for it. <laughs> I, I, you, you, Wait a second, hold on. So it's public, so you can get it accessed easily, but all you have to do is ask for it. So it's not public, you just need to ask for it, but it's public so that way anybody can see it. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, but... I seem to struggle with that logic. You're so misinformed. It's extraordinary. Well, why am I, why am I misinformed? This is a huge issue. Wouldn't you agree with me that, that you, have a, you see things before members of Congress would see what? them so that there's a, an air of appearance that, that maybe some shenanigans are going on? You know, I don't think that's, I assume that that's Senator, not the case. What I are you talking it's about? It's not the case. My, my financial disclosures are public knowledge and have been so, you are getting amazingly wrong information. So uh, I, I cannot find about? them. Our office cannot find them. Where would they be if they're public knowledge? So, so Where? It is totally accessible to you if you want it. For the public. Is it accessible to the, to the public? public? To the public. Yeah, it's whatever. He's, he's trying to backtrack. He's trying to panic. And it came out both in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes magazine, the fact that we don't have in that information, insider trading or some type of investment, some type of stock market stuff. We don't know what you're doing, and we need to know about that because that might explain a little bit on why we're pushing so hard to completely get rid of any type of other opportunities for uh, making yourself healthy and thinking the only way to do it is a vaccine that still allows you to spread the virus and get the new Omicron variant because the Omicron variant doesn't get stopped by the vaccines. But 
I'm just spreading misinformation on that one, apparently. Got to take a break. Wrapping up hour number one, we'll have our AARP update here in just a minute. Plus, hour number two, the man himself, Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader. He'll be joining us for the hour to talk about the legislative session 2022. What the heck's in store for us this year? It's going to be a big one. I'll just give you a little teaser for that one. We got midterm elections. We got big stuff to address. We have to stop a governor that feels like she's going to stalk people in the grocery stores because that's just hysterical. We'll talk about all that and more coming up eh, right around the corner here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. We're talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. You can also find them and follow them on their social media. Mary is back online with us today. Mary, how are you? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? We are doing great. Kicking off 2022 officially. And like usual, you guys always have a lot of information, a lot of different resources for individuals. Right now, the big focal point nationwide and even here in Kansas, of course, has been the jobs market, the labor shortage. And can people find the jobs that they need or want to get? You guys have some new resources with a digital platform for veterans to try and find some uh, work in the labor force right now. That is right. We are so excited. Um, this week, we announced a new, it's a digital platform, and what it has is all kinds of information and resources to help our veterans here in Kansas and across the country, and also military spouses compete in today's job market. I love it. I love it. Now, talk about, right now, a lot of veterans, they they struggle a little bit, don't they? I mean, there's some that just have a hard time getting into the workforce. Exactly. And and some can find jobs, but they're underutilized. All the skills um, that they've developed over the course of their military career, maybe they're not being put to use. And so this is a way to help them not only find a job, but find a job that uses the skills that they have. So we're mm-hmm. so excited. You know, in Kansas, we have about 2,000 a uh, little more than 2011 veterans and military spouses. And so um, what we want to direct people to is aarp.org slash veterans. There's all kinds of information, but what we're looking um, to, what we want them to know today is that there's a new, brand new job center, and it has career planning skills development to help navigate the job market. It has a veterans job board that features a Veterans Wanted filter so that transitioning and former service members can quickly find the employers that value their military experience. We also have a search tool, job search toolkit, which is a comprehensive guide to find and secure employment. And then we have some videos. We have resume writing tips, just all kinds of information, anything that you would need to to start your journey on, on finding a job that fits your skills and your and your abilities. That's amazing. That is one of the toughest things I think that veterans have is trying to find something that meets their qualifications and their skills. And they have so many great qualifications and skills that uh, sometimes are just untapped. Exactly. And, you know, there's a there's tips for veterans to ace a civilian job interview. You know, sometimes they, they go in and they, they answer the questions. But in the course of the interview, the skills that they have and the, the things that they've learned that they, they could bring to the job just aren't brought out in the interview. So this is a way to help veterans um, know what to say and, and how to, to get the point across that they have got these skills that, that maybe other people don't have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, according to the, the U.S. Census Bureau, or the Bureau of Labor Statistics, 
veteran unemployment actually fell last year, 3.2%. But while the unemployment decreased, underemployment continues to hold many veterans back. So it may not be unemployment, but underemployment. And so that's another reason that we um, have this job search tool so that, that people can really use the level of skills and qualifications that they've gained in the military. That is so much needed because you're absolutely right. I mean, the under uh, it's a, a underwork in the underserved right now is huge. You can get a job really anywhere, but finding something that actually uh, does what you need to in your special quality, in your special field, uh, and getting you compensated for the proper amount, that's sometimes a little difficult to do. Exactly. And, you know, transitioning from the military, it may be a little bit difficult sometimes to get back into the workforce once you've been there or maybe you're out of the military, you're looking for that first job. It, it, there's some difficult obstacles. And so this, um, this job uh, research tool is going to help people just get information they need. And, and there's, be prepared to read. There's a lot of information, but it is so good on, on just what to look out for, what a good resume looks like, what should you say during your interview, do you have the skills, do you need to ad- adapt to some other skills that may benefit you in your job search. Um, there's a there's a video about acing your virtual interview. So even help like doing a video um, interview over Zoom or or whatever. So all kinds of information, and it is free and available to anyone, no matter what age you are and whether you're an AARP member or not. It's there for you. I love it. There's a lot of great info there. Uh, again, we got just about a minute left here, but talk about some of the other stuff you guys have. Obviously, you guys do a lot of virtual webinars. You do a lot of information, a lot of entertainment as well on your website and social media, but what's coming up with the AARP? Exactly. There's so many things. We still are continuing with our Friday night concerts, the second and the fourth Friday of the month. Um, you can find those on our Facebook page at AARPKS or on YouTube at AARPKS. Um, all kinds of things. We've got trivia um, nights. We've got um, cooking, ex- you know, cooking with experts, um, tips on traveling, um, national concerts, um, um, a lot of information on COVID and what to do in the current situation all kinds of things available. So anybody just go on our website at aarp.org slash KS, and you'll find a whole list of events and things you can participate in. Everything from helping out the community to veterans to entertainment and just knowledgeable things for you to expand your brain. It's the aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also make sure to follow them on their social media as well. Mary, always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. It's our number two rocking it here on a bitter Saturday. I enjoy the cold, though. I enjoy it. As I mentioned, I know you're laughing at me. I walked out this morning in the... 17 degree temperatures to go start my car without my coat took a big deep breath of the cold windy blowery freezing air woke you up this morning get you ready to rock and roll welcome into the show 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK if you want to join into the show we'd love to hear from you today all of it presented by phil's coins 9344 west central avenue buying selling and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs 
They're open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Go and check them out. Also online at philscoins.com. We'll get Phil Martinez back on the show probably next week, I believe, is when he's coming back in. So looking forward to that chat. But really excited about this guy in studio. It's been a while since we've chatted with him. State Legislative Session 2022. Getting ready to it's is it officially kicked off? It's Monday. already Monday. It's kicking off. You guys are ready. This is no, this last Monday. We this last Monday, you yeah. guys are already there. Yeah, I know you guys have been going up there. I didn't know if it was officially like had been uh, you know uh, uh, gaveled in. So already kicked off. You guys didn't waste any time, and uh, boy, it's going to be a big year. Now we're uh, we're, it's, we're kind of really hitting the ground running. So Monday yeah. uh, was the official kickoff. So we met at two o'clock in the afternoon, gaveled in, did all of the. Uh, resolutions and stuff to organize uh, sure. for the uh, session, let the governor know and the Senate know that we were ready. And uh, and then that was a pretty short session, maybe an hour. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday was really kind of taken up with all of the formalities. We had the judi- uh, state of the judiciary. So uh, the uh, Supreme Court came over and the chief justice gave us a report. Sure. And that was in the afternoon. I think that started at one thirty. And then, of course, at 6.30, we had Laura Kelly's last, <laughs> her last State of the State uh, address. Uh, mm. Or at least we sure hope uh, it's the We last. sure hope it's the last. Yeah. She, I didn't even see any news headlines about the State of the State address. I mean, I saw kind of some statements of what she wanted to do, but it's already done. It's already there. I didn't even know she did it. Yeah, she, she did. It, it, was, uh, it was really difficult sitting there listening to her. Because, oh, I can imagine. You know, she has, uh, you can tell she is truly in campaign mode now she's trying to get reelected literally co-oping many of the things that we've tried to get done that she's vetoed yes in the past now all of a sudden it's a great idea on her part uh so it's really it's frustrating blown my her. mind what she's trying to do she campaigned in the first time saying that she wanted to get rid of the sales tax on food and then when she got in we asked her all right let's get rid of sales tax on food and she goes well no we need to let the dust settle economically you know brownback obviously destroyed everything we got to recover from that we'll just hold off on now she's stalking people in the grocery stores with an axe talking about axing the tax which is to me very creepy but she's been out there that's big her big campaign now she vetoed it she stopped it numerous times and now she wants to do it again well and she doesn't really tell the full story which is not abnormal. I mean, she tells what's good for her. Uh, you can't really ax the tax on food mm. because she, she, we could stop all of the sales tax on the state, but you still have county and local sales tax on food that's still there. <laughs> and do you think that they're going to give that up? Right. If they do, they're going to lose revenue. Right. So the sales tax on food is never going to go completely away. Right. Uh, so... Uh, you know, she came out with her her proposal, and the the Democrats uh, um, came out with a bill. Mm-hmm. Um, tried to get a lot of us to sign on to it, which uh, we didn't. Uh, I think we had six six folks sign on to it uh, as co sponsors. But we're having we're going to have our own tax bill. Why would we want to sign on to the Democrats? And why would we give her a win? Exactly. You know, we, we, what we're going to do, and when we do it, will be good for the state. But it's also going to have a whole lot more thought processes put into it right. uh, than she did. Hers is really strictly a campaign thing. It's sure. good for her to do it now when she vetoed it a year ago. Exactly. So, yeah, and here's the, so here's the big question with her going into campaign mode because she is using some of these tactics. Is it going to be butting heads with her all year long because she's got her agenda to try and go into election season? Or 
is she going to work friendlier with you to get things done to try and take credit for those things going into election season? Which tactic is she going to use here? Well, I know, Andy, that you know the answer to this. <laughs> uh, we've seen her for a long time. So in our four years, it's never about you – know, when she, she goes out there on media and says that she is – a bipartisan governor, and that she is working across the aisle. I don't like vetoing things. Yeah, that's yeah. crap. Yeah. Number one, she she doesn't work across the aisle. She doesn't come and ask our opinion. She just does things, and then she tries to force us or box us into some way where we have to do it. Right. It's not going to work. Exactly. Uh, we know exactly what she's doing. You know, she, she did uh, probably one of the things that irritated me the most with this $250 um, uh rebate that she has went out there and said she actually said during the state of the state sat there and listen when i listened to her i go did she really just say that she said i am going to send every single tax filer 250 dollars, and if you are married filing jointly i'm going to send you 500 she can't send you anything unless we approve it wow now if you are going to if you're going to do that the cost of that is $455 million. That's the, that's the cost of sending that out to everybody in the state. And okay. it's just a state. Sure. Can't, can't be out of state. And $455 million is gone, and what did it do? $250 right. doesn't do anything. Yeah, I can't pay off any debts with a $250 Nothing. stimulus check. Thank you for that stimulus Nothing. check. I can, uh, I guess, go buy more groceries where you get more sales tax from <laughs> me again. <laughs> so, so, so we as uh, Republicans, and we are uh, in charge. Um, we want to do things that's not only going to help the state today, but it's going to help the state for many years to come. So, right. what we are proposing, and we're going to do, actually, we're going to do it, is take that four hundred fifty-five million, but add some more to it. Actually, we'll take it up to about a billion dollars, and we'll put that towards the unfunded liability with Capers. Mm. And by doing that, that's a, a 90 to $100 million savings in interest every single year until it's paid off, which is about another 15 years. That's amazing. That's a yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Uh, now, this is coming from the, what, 2 to $3 billion surplus, quote-unquote, that we exactly. have right now. Is that what exactly. she's trying to say? Oh, we have all this exactly. cash. Let's, she was trying yeah. to pull the whole George Bush, let's give you a stimulus check here, um, which we could just lower taxes and cut, cap some spending and, like you said, pay some debt off. That might sure. be the appropriate Dave Ramsey-style thing to do. Yeah, and, and actually it is. I mean, if you're if, if that's what we would do as individuals, wouldn't we? If we had a windfall, which that's what we have, one of the problems, and she's not really telling you, is all of this money is one-time money. Exactly. It's all one-time money. We are not we are not producing long-term those type of windfalls. So it's one-time money that's coming in from the federal government, and it that all that one-time money has also caused all the inflation that we've got. Right. So she wants to add to it by this two hundred and fifty dollars. Let's add some more inflation to it. Sure. Crazy. Yeah. But but truly, it's one-time money. So whatever we do, we have to do things that are that are prudent for the state right now and not produce new programs that we have to continue to pay for over a long period of time. It'll break us. It'll flat break us. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, the government loves to, for some reason, when we get a windfall, all this federal money coming in from all the COVID stuff, saying, oh, yeah, here's this one-time payment. Just, oh, yeah, let's create inflation. Let's spend more. Let's expand yeah. government entities. And that's the biggest concern that we had with all this money coming in. So at least we're looking at actually doing something relatively responsible for this. I would love to pay, Absolutely. like you said, put this on to capers, pay this off. I mean, this is... 
the gal that wanted to uh, re-amortize our capers plans and move it further down. So this would actually get us ahead of things and actually get back on track a little bit. Three years in a row, she <laughs> she uh, proposed a reamortization of capers that was going to cost us $7 billion for right. the state. This year, she couldn't do that. Because why would you be asking to re-amortize capers when we got $3 billion in the bank? Right. Uh, so, so to kind of complete this, uh, we're taking a three-pronged approach. Uh, several years ago, uh, I can't remember the year, 14, 15, I was there. We put in the statute a rainy day fund, but we never funded it. Sure. We've never had funds in the rainy day fund. You and I both know there is a day of reckoning coming, especially with all this inflation. We are going to come upon another recession, and it's probably not that far in the future. So we want to put north of $750 million, probably a billion, into a rainy day fund. So if we do have another 0809 massive um, bubble um, burst station and the yeah. bubble burst, we're going to have a billion there to weather the fund. Put a billion into um, uh, capers, and and we're truly going to get a huge savings out of that, about $100, $100 million a year savings for 15 years. Sure. And then the last part is targeted tax reduction, targeted tax uh, tax relief. Um, and that we, we haven't finished kind of the the – ebb and flow of that um, decision process yet. Right. Uh, but I think there will probably be a piece of sales tax reduction across the board on everything, sure. small piece, and then targeted sales tax on food. But it's not just going to be a blanket sales tax on food because that's actually a lot of money. Sure. Uh, it, it, you know, one of the things that I've had, we've had meetings with the Senate. The Senate's really kind of leaning towards WIC items, um, okay. which are really truly the 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 – the bread of life. It's the right. stuff you need. It's not it's not soda and candy and all of I that. I can't stuff. go buy my six pack with it. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not yeah. beer. So <laughs> so I think that you'll see something like that. Now, will it be the WIC items? I don't know, but it's probably gonna be something like that. It'll be more of a targeted sure. uh, amount. And so we're really taking a balanced approach instead of like her, I just want to give money away. Well, why does she want to give money away? It's a progressive liberal thing to do. And it's a campaign it? item. Yeah, it's a campaign exactly. slogan. I'm going to yeah. send you a check. This almost sounds like what you guys are doing. It almost sounds like the Tea Party's playing from a few years back, like the cut, cap, and balance, where you guys are going to be maybe trimming some taxes here. You're going to be investing into you know paying debts off and then capping, hopefully, some of the spending that we can do. This is a long-term plan that could put us in a good position. It truly is. And you hit it. You you yeah. actually hit it. We, we just wanted to make sure... That, that it was it, that it was truly balanced and targeted to where it did something. We we want to look out. Uh, we want to be out ten years and look back and say, look what we did. Exactly. We didn't just blow the money and have nothing to show for it. We had we we built something out of it, and that's what we're trying to do. I love it. Now the the question is, and of course you're a little early into the stage now writing it, but will you get the support to pass it and potentially overwrite a veto when she says no? This is the improper way of investing into our future. Yeah. So so it's not going to be one of those things that comes up at the end of the year. Okay. End of the the session. I think I think that we'll get that probably. Uh, the the tax taxes are always done a little bit later in session, but we're not going to wait until. Uh, the end of session. We'll get that done in the in the middle. Appropriations. A lot of people don't understand why we wait to do the budget until the very end. And truly, it's because our our consensus revenue estimating group comes out with their estimate for the remainder of the year mm-hmm. in April. Gotcha. Right towards uh, about the twentieth of April or somewhere around there is when they produce that. Well, we need those numbers to really finish that budget off and produce a good budget. 
That makes that's sense. Budget and left. this is the the two year budget cycle year, isn't it? Yeah, actually, we don't have a two year budget cycle. Uh, that was that was something that Sam Brownback did, Governor Brownback yeah. and Governor Collier did. When she came in, she went back to a one year budget. She went so back to the one year. Yeah, we're doing a one year budget every year, which is crazy on her part. It's actually a good thing on our part. Sure. Because if you're in a two year budget cycle, you don't get to. It's really, a little hard. Yeah, wrangle yeah. with the governor except once every two years. Right. Uh, so on our part, that's a great thing. If she would have been smart, she would have never went back to it. Yeah, I was going to say that probably went uh, negative on her end and hurt her a little bit it more did. because, I mean, obviously with so many changes, I almost like a one-year budget thing because with how many changes, obviously, we've seen in the last year. So being able to tweak and adjust as we go along is probably a better way. It is. It's, a, it's truly a better better for the people. It's better for us. Not so good for her. She could lock things in for two years, and she chose to go back to one-year budget cycle, and we said, sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. That's funny. Let's take a break here. 20 minutes past the hour. It's House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins, District Number 100 here in the Wichita area. When we come back, I want to touch on some more of this, where we go in the future, budget-wise, some of the taxes as well, plus some of the other hot topical issues. We had marijuana. You guys spent a lot of time on that last year right at the end of the session. So I want to, I want to get your thoughts on where we're at now and where that could go. Plus, of course, with some of the COVID stuff with the Supreme Court decision uh, from earlier this week as well, and a lot more. So we got a lot to cover here on Candace Talk, right here on the Big Talker, KQM. But hold on here. I almost forgot. We got to give this away. If you are wanting your nice February Valentine's gift, you have a chance to win one of 10 Coach Purses we're giving away. Your wife would like something like that. Oh, would she'd you? Love it. Yeah, yeah, Coach Purse here. Guys, get registered right now, gals, if you want that, because maybe your significant other uh, forgets and just gets you the something at the gas station on the way home on Valentine's Day, whatever it is. We have it for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the procrastination. Honey, I got you an air freshener for your car. I know that you eat a lot of those burritos, just don't want to deal with that in the car. Make it smell good. Uh, get registered right now. Tune into the Big Talker KQAM. We can get you registered. And hold on, let's play the little sounder here for you. All now to get registered to win one of 10 Coach Purses and KQAM's Pick Your Purse Contest. Be caller number three right now at 316-721-8255 or 316-721-TALK. You can also register at any one of Jewelry Savers locations, eGraphics, and Athena Jewelry. Then, February 12th, we'll meet at Jewelry Savers and you can pick your purse. From the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 102.5 FM, KQAM. Darn right, there it is, our partners uh, jewelry savers e-graphics and athena jewelry keep listening here to kqam get registered you can also swing by those locations and drop your name into the box and get registered as well but we're going to get you registered right now with color number three and the lines are lighting up at 316-721-8255 right here on the big tonker kqam Into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. 26 minutes past the hour here on Candace Talk. Got our new registrant for our uh, big purse giveaway. Getting one of 10 different coach purses. We'll do it. Maybe we'll do another one before the end of the hour. We'll see. Hang tight. We'll see. We had a lot of callers on that one, so we may do another registration here before the end of the program in about a half hour from now. We're hanging out right now with House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins, District Number 100. We got a couple minutes before the bottom of the hour right now, but let's talk about as we talk about the the budget, the economy, the majority of this money, they say that we did have a lot of tax revenue coming into the state over the last year, even with COVID. We have. Which was interesting. And then with the federal money coming in, 
do you know how much? I mean, why did we see a surplus of tax revenue coming in? Was it just because of inflation? Was it because of people scared and buying more things? What was the reason we saw more spending? Well, I think I, I really think the reason why was that you had all of, you had that whole period where everybody was really locked up at home. Sure, nobody was spending anything. Everything, uh, all of the tax revenue dived, especially sales tax. It just went in the tank. Right, and and, and so then you, so you had all that pent up demand. Then people go out and start buying. Then we have supply line issues. I mean, have all kinds of problems. Uh, but but truly, I think that you know just made things go up artificially high. Sure. Um, you know, so we do have extra money coming in that we didn't expect, uh, and it has been uh, a quite a bit. But I also believe the reason why we've got to such a high level in our in our um, SGF or our state um, um, bank account is because we've got all this one-time money came in that allowed us not to spend SGF. Sure. Um, and it allowed us to spend this 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 uh, ARPA money and CARES money and all of the different um, classes of money that they've spent uh, they've sent us. And so, therefore, we've got a huge balance, a huge ending balance right now. And, and they're talking in another year we could have $4.55 billion in ending balance. So, wow. Big yeah, dollar. so... So we've got to be, but but it's not going to last. It's impossible for them. everything. Every, anything that goes up has to come down at some point in time. Oh, right. I mean, we're we're our our world is in a cycle, and and you know we haven't had a recession since oh eight oh nine. So that's a long time twelve, twelve years or, or more. Sure. Since we've had a recession, so we're due for a recession, and I think it'll actually naturally happen with what's going on on the federal level of the printing of money and inflation. The next step is for us to see a recession. And the last recession for Kansas in 0809 cost us about a billion dollars. And that's the reason why it's important for us to put that billion dollars in that rainy day fund so we can weather uh, a, a recession. Actually have comes. a backup plan. Yeah, Absolutely. what a concept. What Absolutely. a concept. Yeah, the good news was that we almost went into a recession at the, at the end of, you know, the Obama era as, you know, we were just printing money and just injecting it in. And we saved ourselves when when Trump came in and just said, we're going to cut taxes and cut regulation and grow business. And he was able to prevent it. Now we've gone back to the Obama reigns and really tenfold compared to what he was doing with all the COVID stuff as well. And we need another uh, detaxing, deregulation, decutting, you know, uh, spur in the private sector or else we will, like you said, see that big bubble burst. Oh, there's no doubt. Just, for instance, uh, gas, oil. Yeah. This is all really self-inflicted. It's truly self-inflicted when when uh, when Biden, oh Biden, come in. <laughs> well, free, I mean, there is that, yeah. Uh, when Biden came in, he immediately stopped all production of oil in in uh, in the. Uh, well, remember what he said in Kansas City that we need to pay our fair share in, in gas prices, yeah. so that way we don't get gouged by the gas companies. Well, well so. he's caused it. <laughs> I, I literally was listening to Fox Fox News a little bit ago before I came in. Yeah. And the guy that they had on there was actually predicting by May four dollar uh, four dollar oh, gas. That's a mess. So let's, let's take we a, could be. Yeah, we oh, we got to take a hard break here. We'll continue that when we come back. Inflation at its best. See how we can recover here in the state of Kansas. Back after this on Kansas Talk. Back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Last half hour on the home stretch already. Show flies right on by. The fastest two hours of radio on radio, really. You can find us also on the Facebook live feed, facebook.com slash 1480 KQAM. You can follow us there. 
do want to give a quick little plug. Make sure to tune in for our national broadcast, The Voice of Reason, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5, live, your flagship, right here in KQAM in Wichita, Kansas. Love doing that. And we're all over the place. We jumped on the Opslins app. They got a lot of followers there. We're on about six, seven radio stations right now. We're just growing like a weed. So appreciate uh, everybody supporting there and our podcast. So it's weird. The top five states that download the podcast during the week, Kansas, obviously, is my number one. But then it it's always California, number two. California. I don't even have any radio stations out in California yet. They love the show. Download the podcast constantly out there. You know, maybe it's just because they're starving for good information. <laughs> I think so. They're they're desperate for some common sense. So <laughs> yeah, they're uh, so I love the California listeners, uh, Texas, Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Washington, uh, all the great states that uh, listen to the program, and we love those and appreciate those during the week. Go with the voice of reason. This one's here, Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM three one six seven two one eight two five five. We're hanging out here with Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader, Senate uh, House of Representatives, and a District Number One Hundred here. In the state, we, there's a lot of content we're going to try and cram into a half hour here. Number one, let's get a quick update on redistricting. I know it's a big issue that's caused some conversation in the news, but where are we with redistricting, and is it going to go well this year? You know, Andy, the uh, redistricting is something that is kind of really a process that takes some time. Our, our folks, both on the House and Senate, they, they did joint committee and traveled all over the state. I think they had something like 14 uh, stops that they did across the state back in the Novemberish time frame. Sure. Uh, then they also did um, uh, like a uh, a WebEx where people could uh, could join a WebEx and, sure. and give them information. And they did several of those, and and that really kind of was the basis of of hearing from the people in the state what's important to them, what their district needed to look like, and and then this week. They actually started the work. Okay. Um, the Senate, the Senate's uh, probably going to come out with something be- before we do, so we may actually be using their bill. Um, but k- kind of the way they've decided to do it is is to start with the congressional district and get a uh, congressional district and get that bill done first. Sure. And then they'll do a House and a Senate, uh, uh, House and Senate map. So. Those will those will come just a little bit later. I actually think those will be the easiest. the the the, the congressional maps are are difficult uh, for a couple of reasons. They have to be, as the court says, as close to the same as possible. And we went back and looked through history, and there's a differential of maybe less than 15 people wow. from the second or first, second, third, and fourth district. So, oh, wow. so they are very close to the same, and that takes a lot of work to get them. Uh, I do believe that we will see a congressional or a set of congressional maps, maybe as many as three or four okay. this week. Uh, later on in the week, uh, the House will be hearing those. Uh, I believe the Senate will hear theirs early in the week, possibly even have a vote on the Senate uh, before the week's out next week for the congressional map. Wow, so it's going to come up pretty quick. Yeah, it's moving fast. And, and one of the reasons why we have to do that is, as you know, is that probably the congressional maps, there's more opportunity for that to go to court than the state and the Senate. Sure, you want to have time Senate. for it to be able to work through the we system. Do. We've <laughs> got to have it work through the system. Um, I think the House and the Senate maps are a little bit different in that, although they're all really a mathematical problem, every one of them, it's just you've got, you've got to have a certain amount of people in each district. In our House districts, it's 20, 24,504 now, 23,000. 23,504 is the optimum number. And we can be plus or minus 5. Sure. Um, 5%. Plus or minus 5%. So the uh, House, I know what the House 
uh, committee is doing right now, they've, they've been having members come in and share with the places maybe that they would give up. Sure. Because it's going to have to shift uh, back and move and forth. around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they're trying to get an understanding of where everybody kind of wants to be, and then they'll start plugging those numbers in. And and really then when you start building the map, they're just moving everything around to make it work mathematically. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah, so it's a tough – it's a jigsaw puzzle. I, I can only imagine. Like, that would be a tough one. And then, like you mentioned, everything in every move that you do do is scrutinized in some way, shape, or form politically and taken to court and challenged and everything else. So it's an interesting process. I've never actually sat down and watched a redistricting process happen – all you hear about in the news is, you know, of course, the gerrymandering and who's going to win this and, you know, what seat's going to get. So it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. It, it will. And, and, and I do believe that when you see it, when you see the final product, I think it's actually going to be pretty good. And I think you'll see agreement between the how, uh, or between the, the Republicans and the Democrats. No, nobody really wants this to go to court and have the court do it. Right. That doesn't work out well for anybody. Sure. And so, I, you know, I was talking to the minority leader, Tom Sawyer, about it, and he says, Dan, we don't want it to go to court either because we lost last time when it went to court. Okay. And so I think there's a, there's really you guys an might idea actually that, work together. that we need to work <laughs> together and make sure we get a good map done so it won't go to court. That's going to be interesting. Yep. Very cool. Let's talk about one of the, obviously, one of the hot topical issues that's been going on for the last year or so, and is, of course, COVID. We had the decision from the U.S. Supreme Court uh, come down this week saying that businesses, uh, the government, OSHA, cannot mandate businesses over 100 employees to mandate vaccines right. and, uh, and the testing for their employees. That is wonderful good news. I know that we've been fighting this stuff here in the state of Kansas. There's been big rallies. You guys held a special set. You guys called yourself into a special session last year to deal with this, had two days of hearings. We held a massive rally up there with Kansans for Health Freedom, which was really awesome. Uh, where are we right now, and can we continue to build up protections for businesses and employees to not have to deal with this garbage? So it's, so it's really kind of interesting when you think about it. The, the, you know, the Supreme Court said that businesses are not going to have to abide by that, so they basically said it's not constitutional, and yet, the CMS, the Center of Medicaid and Medicare Services, which right. is the, which was the uh, mandate for hospitals and and nursing homes, they said is good to go. It's still it's good. Gonna, yeah, that it's going to stay in effect. Is that? Do they say it's just because it's like private contractors? So you're getting a government program. Government has this mandate, so you have to abide by it, kind of thing. No, actually, I if if I remember correctly, the reason why they said it is you have a choice. You don't have to do it. You just don't get Medicare. Yeah, Medicaid exactly. Dollars. Yeah. So, but that's really kind of a. That's a horrible deal because there isn't a nursing home or a hospital that can survive without taking Medicare and Medicaid dollars. Right. So they're really forced to. It's the it's the bullying mentality. Yeah. yeah. And and we've literally had one of our problems right now is is that we don't have enough nurses. We've had um, at least nine nursing homes closed in the last two months. Massive because issue. of staffing. Yeah. They can't get enough nurses to be able to operate. And if they don't have enough nurses, then they get fined by the state. You know, through their audits and stuff. Yeah. You know, I, and they can't afford that either. We've talked about that issue a lot. It is such a devastating thing when you have uh, the, I mean, the nursing homes themselves being stuck in the rock and the hard place. Do I mandate this and lose my staff or do I not mandate? You're listening is, to oops. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Apparently it, you're listening to the voice or Kansas Talk here. Um, you're, you either lose the staff and you lose because you don't have enough staff or you lose the funding and you, you know, don't get to take care of half the people that are in there. Like it's a really bad situation for these guys. But one thing we did, so that the, the thing that happened during the, Special session, first special session that ever that was called by the members of the House and Senate, first time in history. Uh, called ourselves into special session. We, we, uh, we did pass House Bill two zero zero one. 
It became law. The governor signed it. And what that did was say, uh, businesses, you can't, you can't, if somebody asks for a religious exemption, you cannot question their veracity. You can't question right. what type of religion they are or anything. You just give them that. Well, I'm telling your listeners and every listener out there, because of the CMS, uh, the, the, the decision that came from the, the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, take the exemption. Take the exemption. Take the exemption. Don't, don't lose your job. You don't have to lose your job. Take the exemption and continue your career and, and continue to help hospitals and, and nursing homes stay in, in, uh, in operation. So yeah. it's, it, we, we gave that tool to you. Use it. Use it, yeah. I, I, I love the fact that we were able to do that. I would have liked to have seen it obviously go further to where it couldn't be mandated at all, and I could just say, no, I'm not going to do it. End of story. Um, obviously that goes into a line of you telling businesses what they can and cannot do, which, you know, unfortunately doesn't happen. So it was a good bill and I liked it. I obviously would like to see it go further, but I don't know that we can. Well, and, and actually with the decision by the Supreme court, yeah, I think kinda, that was it. It kind of did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the business, the large businesses can't right. enforce it. Right. And if they choose to do it and they try to still pursue it on their own and they can't use the excuse of, well, the government's telling me, I guess I have to. Then if they try to enforce it at their own uh, as their own entity, then you can say, fine, religious, religious exemption. exemption. You can't question it. And I can That's just right. go about my business. And, 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 and on the medical exemption, uh, if a doctor signs off, they can't question that either. Sure. So all you have to do is have a doctor, a physician, sign off on the medical exemption, and you're good to go. They can't question that. Is that is good news. Yeah. That is really good news. We built some protections. I, I was honestly surprised when you guys did pass that in the special session that the governor did sign that because she was all about that stuff for the longest time, and then she started. I think that was when election mode was starting to kick in, and she backtracked a little That's bit. That's exactly what I was going to say, Andy. I think there was a reason. I think it's called re-election. Re-election. That's right. She, and she's realized that she is tanked in the polls with popularity on this yeah. issue, which is why she backed off on the vaccines and disagreed with Biden on the right. vaccine thing. So We were surprised at that. We yeah. really were. Yeah, but again, it's, you know, we're surprised, but election season, okay, guess that makes sense. Uh, let's talk about marijuana for a second yeah. because – for the first time in state, you guys, first off, spent, when you guys came in for your, you know, extended session last year, you guys spent three days out of that week talking about marijuana, which is insane. And for the first time, you guys actually passed something out of the House that was really interesting, but it went to the Senate. Obviously, they didn't have time. It kind of died there. But what, first off, talk about that process. That's insane. Yeah, so that was uh, that that was really kind of a dynamic time because th- that is such a hot bu- button issue. There's, it's 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 truly not a partisan issue anymore. Right. Uh, so there's there are uh, many many conservatives that want to get that through. Uh, of course, Democrats are supporting it. So it's not it's not that we didn't have the numbers. We had enough to get to sixty three, which we had to have. Um, it was, it was being able to get everybody on the same page. And we had those, those three hearings. And, and then there was a period of time where they were kind of working through, uh, working with each of those different groups, trying to get things done, came up with a bill, uh, kicked it out of the fed and state committee to the floor, had some problems. Um, you know, we left on break. Uh, the, the speaker, when we got back, stuck it back into committee, says, go back and, and retool just a little bit. Uh, and we were in a hurry because we didn't have much time left. Right. Uh, literally, uh, I went. I was on that committee for the day that it got kicked out. <laughs> right. um, there was one member gone, and so they put me on, uh, which I appreciated that. Because sure. uh, trying to get that done was one of the things that I was trying to do. Uh, 
So we got it across the floor, but it was right literally with the last week we were there. Senate did not take it up. Which uh, I honestly surprised me. I mean, you guys had some really major issues that you were addressing for that last week trying to cram in, and that was the issue that you spent so much time on. We did. I, I, that, that intrigued me. We did. It, usually the last week is uh, taxes and uh, appropriations. Exactly. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time with uh, medical marijuana trying to get that. That just shows how important of an issue it was. Uh, our members really wanted to see it done, many right. of our members. Um, I'm not sure, you know, when I would tell your members if it's something that's important to you, call your senator. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked to uh, Senator Alley, the majority leader on the Senate side, and he has told me, he said, Dan, nobody's talking about it on our side. Really? No. And so uh, I've had several meetings this last week with big groups, and I've told every one of them, if that's important to you, you better start calling your Call senator. Call your senator and let, and let them know. know. Let yeah. them know. Absolutely. That's why. Because if they don't hear from you, they don't think it's important. Sure. Um, so, so get out. If, if that's an important issue to you, call your senators, let them know that you're for medical marijuana, ask them to move that bill forward. This last week, the bill that was, that, that we sent over was actually moved to a committee that never does anything, which kind of signals that they're not going to, they're planning on not, not, not doing anything with that. It's just going to sit there. It's just going to sit there. Wow. So, interesting. so. So I would I would tell I would tell all your listeners if medical marijuana is important to you, you better start speaking up to the Senate. We've already yeah. done our job on the House. Right. There's nothing for us to do except for wait. Yeah, uh, and just wait. wait to see if it comes yeah. back to you with some yeah. changes or something. Yeah, I, yeah. You guys worked hard, and I want to get into the details to talk about what the bill actually entails. But and I get it, the Senate's busy with. You know, obviously some redistricting stuff. They're busy with, you know, tax stuff, with budget stuff, with whatever. I mean, there's a lot of really pressing issues that need to be done this year. But like you said, with how much time you guys focused on it in the last week shows the importance from your end. Yeah. I would think that that would at least trail over to them a little bit for them to at least be on somewhat of the radar for them to address at some point throughout the session. Well, I, you know, going back, going back to what I said, if they don't hear they don't think it's an issue. Sure, that's true. And so, and so they need to hear from folks out here. I hear in my district, I had about, I ain't have a lot, but probably 15 to 20 people that consistently sent me emails about it. Sure. Well, in 22,500, that's not a lot. But I did a, I did a, um, a statewide poll two years ago. It uh, cost me $5,000 out of my campaign account to do a statewide poll. We polled uh, only Republican primary voters. 70% supported medical marijuana. Sure. 70%. That's huge. Not recreational, though. It drops way off on recreational. But on medical marijuana, 70%. They're all about it. And that's not changed. It's still that big out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely been a change in dynamic, I think, in, per, in perspective on this issue. So let's talk about the details. I know you guys worked really hard on it. And there was a lot of back and forth. I know Blake Carpenter ran with it a, a little bit as well. What are the details of that bill? What does it look like? So, so that bill it is it, it's it's very much centric in medical. Okay. Uh, so, uh, one of the hallmarks of it is is they have a list of maladies or a list of conditions that they will prescribe medical marijuana for or recommend. I guess they don't prescribe. Sure. Recommend medical marijuana for, and so if you have one of those conditions you're most likely going to be able to get medical marijuana. Uh, it has to be grown inside. Um, okay. And, 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 and that is truly, I was talking to uh, um, um, a gentleman here, a businessman here in town that has built an in uh, indoor grow facility already, and he's going to grow hemp until medical marijuana is legalized. And, and, and he said, if you don't grow it inside, 
then you really can't call it medical marijuana because it gets so much cross-pollination going on out there that it really waters it down. Mm. So it has to truly be grown inside. Um, they've, they've come up with how you can advertise it, and it's very specific. They want to make sure that, that only certain types of advertising are done. Sure. Um, they, they've they've uh, decided on how... Um, as far as how you can, can get the license, who can get the license, what kind of qualifications you have to get the license. And really the biggest thing is is we want to make sure that the people who are growing it and distributing it are Kansans. Sure. And so there's a 75% ownership that has to be from Kansas. We don't want out-of-state people coming in and taking over our in, uh, industry. Yeah, That's happened in Kansas. a lot of other states where yeah. it's just been kind of overrun with major people coming in doing Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And it makes them mad that we're doing that. But quite frankly, uh, I think that it's a smart thing to do uh, is to is to make sure that we have people here in Kansas that are growing it sure. and distributing it. We would have three. There's three different licenses. There's a grow license. There's a, a distribution license and, a, and, and then a sales license. Okay. Um, each one of them has its own cost. Uh, and they're, they're, they're not cheap. It costs quite a bit to get into it. Sure. There is no piece in there where somebody can grow it you know like there's some states i think missouri you can have two plants uh okay. you gotta pay a 150 dollars fee or something like that and you can have two plants you can't do that here interesting yeah so they're gonna have you're gonna have to grow a lot to be able to now would it. people be able to go to other states to get some and then bring it back with their card or with their medical issue so Ours, the way it's currently written, does not have a reciprocity uh, to it. There's a lot of talk about getting that in there to where, you know, you don't have problems with, you know, because there are people that come here that could come here and they need it right then because they ran out or something. Uh, So we need to be able to to honor their card from Oklahoma or Colorado or Nebraska or Arizona. Sure. uh, Missouri. We're surrounded. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We're surrounded. Yeah. Um, there, there will be an affirmative defense in there, and that's probably the biggest thing I think that's important. Because we are surrounded by states who have already legalized, we have to give people the ability to cross our state and not get arrested for having exactly. their medical marijuana. Yeah. And so there will be that in there. There will be an affirmative defense in there. Yeah. Um, so a lot more pieces to it, but I think it's been – they really spent a lot of time really thinking things through and – and as you said, um, uh, Representative Blake Carpenter was instrumental in it. Uh, Randy Garber up in Hiawatha was very much a part of it. Uh, there, it was really interesting watching the groups come together. And, you know, we had to really kind of uh, almost force them to come together because <laughs> right. they were fighting. Yeah. Uh, so they literally came together, and each one of them compromised, and they came up with, I think, a Well, that's the way the system's supposed to be. Yeah. So it was, a, yeah. you know, I'm really, really proud and happy of the, the way the process was done here. Uh, it's a great start to the bill. I mean, it's, I got my own opinions about the marijuana stuff, good and bad. And I think that, you know, this is a great start for Kansas by being able to see what other states have done. Now, I got to admit, I am a little concerned with the growing it indoors because they started that in Colorado and we saw the real estate completely any type of like entry level first hire home buyers, you know, things that were between, you know, 80 to $100,000. 
went completely off the market because people were buying those and turning them into grow houses and destroying the property yeah, value. you can't do that. So you yeah. cannot, that's part of this, you cannot. You can't do that. No, it okay. has to be in an industrial area. It cannot ah, be close to any okay. Housing. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. So it's, these no are residential be, areas. Yeah. yeah, these are going to be 8, 10,000, 15, 20,000 square foot. Okay, buildings. that's good. Yeah, that's good. It, I like be that. in warehouse district is where it would be. Yeah, I like that. No, it, it sounds like it's a really great bill. I really do hope the Senate takes, uh, takes it up and looks at it. And then, you know, that's, that's a great start to a conversation. I heard that, I mean, the debate at the end in the vote was a lot of Republicans supported it. A lot of Democrats mm-hmm. supported it. Some Democrats didn't like it. Some Republicans didn't like it. Right. So you actually got some true bipartisan compromise and some good deals going on. You did. On. So, so for some in the Democrat side, it didn't go far enough. And in the Republican side, it went too far. Right. Uh, so you've, you've got that. That give and take. And we hit the sweet spot. I think we got 70-some votes. That's fantastic. Uh, which is actually pretty good. Sure. Uh, like I said, I mean, that's uh, that's encouraging the fact that we actually found a true way to compromise and find some happy mm-hmm. deals. So I think that was a great success from the end of last year. The big question is, will it actually come up this year? And like you said, everybody call your elected officials and actually make that uh, a priority call, for the Senate. Call your Senate. Yeah. yeah. Call you, Everybody's got a senator. Call your senator and let them know your thoughts. Yep. We got about 30 seconds left, but any big other topical issues that you guys are addressing right off the bat here? You know, uh, there, probably the biggest thing is is in the appropriations arena, just making sure we don't do any new pro, uh, programs, that we, mm. we spend our money wisely. So that those, uh, those folks in the appropriations arena are going to get hit a lot. Everybody's going to belly up to the trough and want money. So we just got to say no. Cut, cap, and balance. That's right. Cut, cap, That's and right. balance. I like what you guys are doing with all the windfall that we're getting with cash. Let's do this appropriately. Let's cap some spending, let's cut some taxes, let's actually build up for the future and prepare ourselves, and then we can take the credit, and Governor Kelly can uh, squirm and uh, not give away a whole bunch of freebies that wouldn't do anything for this for the state. Yeah, and you know, Derek Derek Schmidt, our, uh, our AG, is oh, out man. there working hard. Yeah. Uh, people need to get behind him and support him. We've got to have a new governor. Get behind him. President Trump, former President Trump, just endorsed him this week Absolutely. as well. So that was a big one as well. House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins, appreciate it, my friend. Thank Always you, pleasure. Andy. We'll yep. do it again here real soon. We'll get an update from you up in Topeka here in the next couple of weeks as well. Until then, back at it next Saturday for Kansas Talk. Back at it for The Voice Reason on Monday from 4 to 5. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm out there. We'll see you on the radio.